back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. Anybody it's the same old Browns. You, it's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey everyone, welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am Andy Lytle, and you know who's, am, who? Who are you? You know who you I, are. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am Stephen Thomas. You are indeed, and I've called you my rock before, and you you kind of took. You, I think you called me a loser for having you as my rock or something. No, no, I said you needed to get a more uh, a better life. Well, okay, which, which yeah. kind of means loser, I think, a little bit. Eh, I didn't. I was trying to be nice. I feel you, but hey, well, enough of that. It's this We're is a, here. This is a Browns podcast. This is not only just any Browns podcast. This is not the same old Browns podcast presented by the OBR. And why is that? Hold on, hold on, guys. The wrong layout's up. I had that. Who switched that? Um, well, we've got oh yeah, we've got NFL draft up there. We're not doing NFL draft content. Definitely right not. Now. Not today. We will get to it, and people will tell me it's too soon. But we're not doing it today. We are, however, going to continue our camp coverage. Uh, we do realize that all over Northeast Ohio, there are people uh, facing uh, weather-related power outages. So thank you to those of you that are here with us. Um, and as far as our guests. If their power is out, they have no way to tell us that their power is out. So <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll just assume that they're going to join us until yes. we hear otherwise. Yes. Um, but another good day of practice today from everything that we heard. It sounded like the uh, the tight ends had a good day. We'll ask Fred about that when he comes on, uh, assuming his power is on. Um, and uh, we'll ask him about... Uh, uh, the other things that were uh, noted today, Baker's not going to play. Kevin's going to call the plays this year, which I never thought was in doubt. I thought that was wildly overblown on social media. But we'll get all of that from Fred, uh, hopefully. Uh, Absolutely. He just actually, I think he's uh, he's in there waiting. We'll pull you in oh, here. Oh, good. We'll, we'll pull you in here in a couple minutes, Fred, and we'll get you in here. Um, and, yeah. And then at 8 o'clock, go ahead and tell them what we got at 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8, o'cl- 8 o'clock, we have. It's a little different. Yeah, something a little different. I'm a little excited about it. Uh, it was you, you were able to uh, land land this guest. Uh, we got Alan Bell from uh, CBS Sportsline, who is a odds maker journalist. Is, is that accurate description of him? <laughs> I, call, I call him betting savant. Betting you know? savant. So we're going to go over at the 8 o'clock hour with Alan Bell. Uh, a lot of stuff uh, involving the Browns as far as uh, futures, the week one matchup, the odds, the, the, the line against the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, the line, all that stuff. So we're going to go over all that. Should be a fun show. Uh, we got Fred coming on in here in a minute. We're going to catch up with Fred about uh, latest from, from Browns training camp, injury situation, uh, all that good stuff. Any questions you have for uh, if you're watching live on Twitch, anyone in the chat, Definitely drop those questions for Fred. 
Uh, we're going to have him for probably a half hour. Hopefully Brad, Brad might make it for us tonight at, at 740, but uh, I know he's not feeling well. And I know, like you just said, there's a lot of power outages in the uh, in the uh, Cleveland area. So um, luckily we were in, luckily enough, we got Fred here. So actually, let's bring in Fred right now, shall we? Yeah, and uh, also if you got questions, obviously always questions for Fred, questions for Brad. But if you have uh, betting questions too, hey Fred, uh, welcome in real quick. I just want to get this out. Um, Alan will come in with you know what Vegas thinks about the Browns this year, what Vegas thinks about player props this year, and if I told him specifically because uh, you know everybody's interested in this, if there's any lines that he thinks are out of whack and are you know, quote unquote, easy money, let us know, you know, because because that's information I think we could all use. Absolutely. Uh, so if you got questions for that and to ask and to answer uh, your question, Mr. Katapka, uh, the uh, yeah, the uh, the totem uh, that I had during the NFL draft show, the good luck Tiki, uh, that's not here because we're not technically doing draft. So <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. But now that we get Absolutely. that out of the way, the legend is here once again, uh, Mr. Fred Greetham, for the fourth night in a row. You're an animal, man. You are. You're just constantly on the air. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us again, Fred. <laughs> yeah, how many more to be Cal Ripken or the <laughs> Iron? <laughs> You're well on your way, my friend. You're well on your way. <laughs> so as we always yeah. do, obviously, I have some specific questions. Andy has some specific questions. I know our viewers have some specific questions, but like we like to do, Whenever you come on, first, we just want to throw it to you, Fred, in general. What did you see? What did you hear? What are your observations from today uh, in camp uh, that they had to move inside? Yeah, um, they got the inclement weather and canceled it for the fans so they couldn't come. And and uh, then we're in indoors. And because of COVID, they've had to, you know, move a lot of their equipment into the field house so it's really kind of cramped when you got 90 players and 30 coaches and all the people there but they were working on goal line and red zone and so you know it was it was a little much more uh con confined and working on a shorter period um i think the the biggest story is you know the the injuries are kind of mounting obviously announced yes. that baker's not gonna play that's becoming the trend among nfl teams you know they just keep copying each other and and uh it kind of makes sense because if you're going to play them you probably play them at the home opener against the giants you know for the fans to to see some of these guys even though i don't think they're going to play a lot and uh, kevin's going to call the plays um, I think that's no surprise the way things went last year, but there was an argument or a little thinking because Van Pelt did such a good job against the Steelers in the playoffs right. that maybe he would turn it over to him this year. But, um, I think what sticks out to me, we talked to Wyatt Teller today and I think he is talking like, you know, if, if we win, things go well. You know, we can't pay everybody, but everybody will get paid. I think he's resigned himself that that there's not enough big contracts to go around maybe for him because it sounds like he wants to get, you know, get the big payday because, like he said, you just don't know how long your career is going to go yeah, in this league. Right. And, Absolutely. And uh, so if they, can, if they can make a move and try to do something sooner than later, maybe that that will happen but i don't know i think 
they get into the season, I'm sure, that his agent will say, you know, let's just wait it out and go into free agency and see what happens. But Grant Delpit, I mean, talk to defensive back coach Jeff Howard. He laid out that Delpit's really only had nine snaps, I think, with the in team drill or team. And that's not good. You know, this hamstring thing that we found out Sunday – why he has not been doing his normal, you know, coming back every other day, you know, they practice, then rest and practice. So that's not good, you know, and it's really shortening the, the window, I think, for him to be ready for the start of the season. Um, I mean, he needs to play in the preseason some to get some experience. He hasn't even sure. been on a game, you know, at all. And, uh, and you complicate that with Ronnie Harrison, you know, his nagging hamstring injury. So they're thought we had a lot of numbers. The Browns did at safety and it's right now, you know, when three of them can't get on the field that really condenses and you're going to see a lot of Javante Moffitt and Elijah Benton and, and uh, Richard LeCount, I think this weekend. Yeah, that- yeah, and I have to wonder if, um, uh, you know, we the argument raged all through draft season about whether JOK is a rover safety or a linebacker. And I know that they've said they're going to line him up at will. I get that. That's I'm not saying that. But if he can, you call him whatever you want. If he can handle some of the short area safety duties to, to be that third safety, assuming Harrison and John Johnson get back, I think they can muddle through because – you know, uh, Fred, you've been around a long time. You know that a serious injury like a, an Achilles or an, uh, an ACL or, or something like that, you hear from these guys all the time, yeah, I was back the next year, but it was really two years before I felt like myself again, before I had the mental confidence in it, before I you know, got fully back up to strength. So I think we, we've been saying this all off season. Um, even if Delpit were to come back and be healthy and play and everything, we're not really going to see the full Grant Delpit from a health standpoint until next year anyway. So uh, even though it's kind of annoying from a fan standpoint, I think them taking it overly cautious with him, especially here in August, is the smart move. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I felt like the silver lining of his injury was that they went out and got John Johnson. You know, he's probably the biggest impact player that they've brought in, in my opinion, what I've seen. And now, provided I was assuming a healthy Ronnie Harrison, you could play Harrison and Johnson with the two safeties, and you don't have to force feed and make sure that Delpit has to play immediately. And like you say, if he can just be brought along until you're fully confident and he's confident, that he can handle it back there. Um, kind of what last year with Harrison, I mean, he was clearly better than, than the guys they were playing, but Joe Woods didn't put him out there because he wasn't feeling confident that he was up to speed in the defensive right. scheme. And so I think that's that's what you have there. I think that you're exactly right, that they want to slowly bring Delpit along, even – Forget this hamstring thing, just on on the Achilles. Yeah, right. He went down August twenty fourth, ironically the same day <laughs> that we last saw Greedy Williams. So that's just about a year ago, and 
the Achilles obviously is quite severe. And so you want to just, just bring him along as slowly as possible. And I think that's what they're planning on doing. It's just, it's just right now, unfortunate with the hamstring, he's not getting out on the field to do anything. Sure. And in this Joe Woods defense, ideally Woods wants to use these three safeties at some point on the field to get a lot of, a lot of snaps together. With that being said, and I've said this for months that, you know, it's not that I don't like Grant Delpit, the player. I, I, I was very ecstatic when the Browns got him in the second round last year. However, Achilles, I know these, these athletes heal faster than ever, and it has been a year since the injury, but Achilles are no joke. So, you know, with that being said, them taking him slowly and who knows what other setbacks he may or may not have based off Joe Woods and how he wants to use these safeties. Would you say it's likely that they could acquire one either via free agency or, or a trade before the season starts? Yeah, I think it's getting a little more likely, especially with the Harrison thing. Right. I mean, if you have a healthy Harrison and Johnson, maybe you can, you can afford to ride with what you have, but I don't know. I don't, we're going to see a lot of, like I said, LeCount and Moffitt and Benton. And unless one of them really steps up in a hurry, I don't know if you want to go into the season with one of them as your third. I mean, you're okay maybe as the fourth. Sure. Red wine. I always, I thought he was on thin ice anyway, and he hasn't even been out there. They uh, say it's an ankle, damn. but usually the guys are on the bikes or something. He hasn't even been seen. He's kind of in the Tony Fields world where you're right. not seeing him. And so who knows there? But, yeah, I don't know what's available as far as veterans. If they can get somebody off the street, I don't look at Andrews Sandejo as an option. I think he's on the street. <laughs> but um, as far as, yeah, I think the sheer numbers, if you want to play three and you only had maybe – three starting level to begin with that might force woods to kind of go another direction. And like you said, maybe JOK could be a guy to use a little bit, but he's a little behind because of the COVID thing. Right. And uh, they, they don't want to put too much on his plate. They want him to do what, you know, linebacker, the role that they have carved out for him there. So, yeah, I think these next 10 days could be important, you know, might, say, well, we need to revisit and bring in a guy or two, you know, maybe, maybe it's safety. Um, and then you look at defensive end, you had the top, you have the top three projected defensive ends haven't practiced the last two days. Um, Garrett's, you know, hamstring and McKinley, we don't know what's, what's really going on there. Clowney, I believe yesterday was set a rest and, you know, he was out again today. So again, is, is that a soreness deal that like Denzel Ward or what, but still those three guys aren't out there. I asked Stefanski today about what about Weaver and, and Gustin, you know, are they providing enough, seeing enough to provide depth for you? And he gave a standard answer, but um, you know, if any of those things were to linger, I think that They'd have to look more there. So that's what you don't want. You don't want to be piling up too many injuries. And so with that said, I don't think you're going to see too many frontline guys this weekend at all against the Jaguars. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, as far as Delpit goes, uh, it's something that we normally say about quarterbacks, bringing them along slowly and not rushing them. But it's kind of the same thing because of his injury. You want him for the next 10 years, not the next 10 weeks. So if it takes until week four, week six, whatever, that he's ready to go, you don't want to throw a guy like that because it was very obvious last year after he went down that, that how much responsibility they had planned to give him as that safety. And that's speaks to how much they think of him at you know what they think his peak is as far as guys that are out there right now i think as far as i i can see uh kenny vaccaro uh guys like that i think trey boston uh is still out there um <laughs> he's been available for how many years yeah and i don't understand that i don't understand because i wanted the browns to maybe sign him two years ago <laughs> exactly but i think <clears throat> like fred said they're going to want, and the same thing I goes, uh, I think goes with Edge, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But I think they want to give their in-house options a chance to step up first before they start. Not that they're not keeping their eyes open. Obviously, if something pops, they'll Andrew Barry will make a move. But they want to give the guys they have in the house the first chance to step up and show why they should be able to take over that role. Porter Gustin got for reps with the ones today with with all those guys out. So I think they'll see this first game and. You know, maybe even into the second, but then this also could come into play. What we've been talking about all off season is they they have several positions of strength that they've just got to you know wide receiver, offensive line, uh, maybe a couple other places. They've got too many guys. They're, they're just not going to be able to keep them. Right. So instead of cutting them for nothing, this is those end of camp trades that we keep talking about. Maybe they get to the end of camp and they, you know, I, I pick a team. I don't know. Maybe the the Seahawks. They really need a tackle. And they've got an extra safety. They've got five safeties, and they're only going to keep four on the roster. So you call up Pete Carroll, and you say, hey, we've got a tackle that we can't use. You've got a safety that you can't use. Let's swap them and switch places in the seventh round. You know, every, We get those kind of trades every single year that don't seem to move the needle, but they're great for these kind of backup things. Sure. Um, I, I know there was a question in the chat uh, about TAC, and you touched on him, Fred. Um, I don't think there is, but you know more people and get more, far more information than I do. Uh, anything new and like anything, no leaks anywhere that I've been able to see on what the tax situation is all about. Nope. I mean, they've kept that tight and uh, people I've talked to really, whether they say they don't know anything or they really don't know anything, I'm not hearing anything about it. And, um, you know, it's the team is just, you know, when when Stefanski says hoping he'll be back by the start of the regular season, the question was asked, do you expect him back for the start of the regular season? He said, I hope so. That doesn't necessarily mean that they expect him to show up, you know, September 11th. Right. But he could show up tomorrow. We just really don't know what it is. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I really can't speculate, but I haven't heard anything new. Yeah, and what's what's actually transitioned to that to that edge room, uh, Stephen? I know you and I talked about it a lot today, and uh, <sighs> with, with with the uncertainty uncertainty with McKinley, and you know, it sounds to me, I, I I'm with you, Fred. I don't want to speculate. It could be a personal, private matter. That's kind of what it sounds like. Um, I don't want to speculate either. Um, but Stephen, you and I talked today about you know possible options of what they because you know at the end of the day if 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 miles if miles and 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 clowny can stay healthy you know i i think they'll be able to find maybe a third and fourth guy but now you're talking about death purposes 
uh, depth. Um, Steven, tee up Fred with uh, some possible free agents or uh, anything to maybe build that depth in that edge edge room right now. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I'm sure Fred would agree. If Miles and Clowney stay healthy all year and are Miles and Clowney, they'll be okay. The Browns will be okay in the pass rush department. Those two guys can create a lot of devastation by themselves. But the whole point of having all the depth, having tack, having – you know, Curtis Weaver and Porter Gustin be the fourth edge or the fifth edge instead right. of the third edge. The whole point of it was those guys aren't exhausted by December, you know, so I think they will be okay. And like I said before, I think they want to give the Curtis Weavers and the Porter Gustins and even, you know, they really like Joe Jackson because they've kept him around for a while. They've kept Cameron Malvo for two years. Apparently they see something that maybe the rest of us don't. I know they can slide Malik Jackson out for for certain uh, uh, rotations to, to be the third edge or the second edge in certain packages and that kind of stuff. I think they want to give those guys at least this first game uh, to step up and see what they can do. But I, like I said, I saw Porter Gustin got run with the ones. Did you hear anything else about him or Curtis Weaver or Joe Jackson or any of the rest of that group out there in the edge, uh, in the edge uh, room? Not really. Other than the question I asked that they're really looking this at kind of the the chance to really get a good look at him. You'll probably see Weaver and and uh, Gustin start this week, you know, against Jacksonville. I wouldn't be surprised. I can guarantee you Miles isn't going to play, missing two days in a row with a hamstring. Right. And Clowney, you know, I don't know if they feel they need any reason, you know, for him to practice. Although last year he didn't – he said he didn't like just showing up and playing the first game. I think – was a little different. He didn't, I don't think was at training camp, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, I don't know the status of an Adrian Claiborne who the Browns let go. Um, obviously he knows the system and he could be a guy if he's out there, they could bring in providing he didn't get out of shape. Um, I think later in the season, just in my mind, I think that they're keeping an eye on Olivier Vernon Right. Um, sure. End of the season Achilles. And obviously he's a free agent. Nobody's jumping on him. And being 31, 32, um, you know, could be down the road for the stretch. You know, I think right. they had a good relationship with him. Last time we asked about him with Barry, he said he had a nice long talk with him. This was some time ago, but I think guys like that, but Right now, I think, yeah, you're trying to see what you have with Gustin and Malvo and Joe Jackson and and uh, uh, Curtis Weaver and seeing, can those guys play? Can them guys be in the rotation? I'm not I, – I, Garrett, I don't think, is, is a severe injury at all. I mean, he – I saw the very end of the scrimmage Sunday – and he wasn't limping, walking, or anything. So I think it might have just been, hey, I felt a little twinge in here. Right. So that's enough for them to set him down for a week or more. Um, and Clowney, I don't think's hurt. I just think he's, you know, same thing, kind of sore or something. So, yeah, I think they're going to look at this, give the young guys a chance to show what they can do. But I'm sure that, that uh, Andrew Barry has a list. And obviously, you know, they'll go to it if they feel like they need to. But right now I don't think they're, they're pushing the panic button. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, as you can see in our slideshow here, we have everybody that's currently in the group, but we also have a couple guys you mentioned, Adrian yeah. Claiborne, obviously. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> would make a lot of sense because like you said, he was just in the system like two months ago. He knows the system. He can come in. I don't know if there was bad blood because of when he was let go and all that. I, I don't know. But some other options, there's Everson Griffin right there. I know he didn't have the best year last year, but perhaps in the third edge role, same with Jabal Sheard there, uh, you know, he still has enough juice at 32, 33 to come in and give you 15 hair on fire snaps a game. Maybe, you know, he can't be the edge one anymore, but if you're only bringing him in to be the edge three or potentially the edge four, that may be perfect for a guy his age with his experience. He's a wily veteran, you know, that kind of stuff. And as far as Olivier Vernon, I think you're absolutely right. Unfortunately for him, the fact that it happened in the end of December, I mean, yeah, these guys come back faster than ever, yeah, but I but... would be shocked if yeah. Olivier Vernon is NFL ready before November at the earliest, maybe December. Um, the other guy I wanted to bring up is a guy um, that was, there was, he was went around social media uh, about two weeks ago that he was asking for a trade out of Arizona, uh, and that's Chandler Jones. And I said at the time, and I'm, I want to get your thoughts on this, see if you agree with me, that it doesn't feel like something Andrew Berry would do now if there was interest in Chandler Jones from his end and, you know, Arizona's season goes south and he starts making noise that he really wants out. That feels like more of a trade deadline thing. Like they, they get to the trade deadline and they look around and they say, okay, we're legitimately contending, but we think we're one edge short. So maybe in those specific circumstances, a short-term rental for a veteran like him might make sense. Do you think that might be something they would continue uh, or uh, consider a little further down the road? Yeah, I think in a special situation, I, I don't think Barry and the analytics really like, you know, for short term. I think if they right. felt they could sign the guy, you know, since Clowney and McKinley were one-year deals, I mean, he could be the guy they look to long term, you know, if, mm -hmm. if they feel like in a trade they could, you know, then work out a deal with him, kind of like with the Jarvis Landry you know, with John Dorsey a couple, three years ago, when they made that trade, they had an understanding they were going to sign him to a long-term extension. So I think there's a number of options here. And you mentioned when the more you think about the Vernon thing, compare that to Delpit, he goes down the end of August and he's really not ready now a year later. Right. right. So, so Vernon being 10 years older, right. Going down in <laughs> December, you're you're right. I mean, he probably wouldn't be a hundred percent before the season's up. I mean, but who knows? And not to mention, even if he is hundred percent, you know, having no conditioning reps, and you right. know, going in just cold. If, yeah, I think right. I, you know, as much as, and it's a shame too, because I think we all can agree that uh, Vernon really, really played well for the down, especially down the stretch for the Browns last year, and it was a shame to. Uh, see him go down, especially with an in injury that significant. Um, it, I'm curious to see how this edge room kind of shakes out. I think as long as I, – I, has has Gustin or Weaver, have they really – have they f had any days where they flashed a little bit at camp, Fred? Because those are two – I saw Weaver – I saw Weaver in the orange and brown get to the quarterback. Yeah. Can't remember. I think it was in the second team. But – Last year, I just remember watching in training camp because we were able to watch, and I and because um, Garrett or Vernon were getting a lot of rest. Sure, Gustin was like 
Alberia. He was flying right. by mostly uh, Wills. And part of that was because he's a rookie. But I thought this guy has a chance to have 10 sacks opposite Garrett. And then he didn't have any, you know, and yeah. he played. But maybe now he's got some of the nuances to figure out that he can do that. I think that he knows that Weaver is right there in, and uh, pushing him to overtake his, his role in the rotation, maybe even as the four or more and, or making the team. So I think this is going to be a golden opportunity to compare those guys this week. Like I said, I expect Gustin and Weaver to, if they don't both start to play a lot, you know, in that game. Yeah. And Weaver, the thing everybody needs to remember with Curtis Weaver, they obviously like him. We've said this numerous times yeah. and so have other people. They, because of how quickly they jump on him, how much they time they've invested in him, the words that they use in pressers. I mean, if you, if you're familiar with coach speak and GM speak, you, you learn when they use certain words and don't use other words, they, they really like a guy. And so they really, really like him, but he's also a guy who hasn't played a live snap of football in coming up on a year and a half, almost two years, you know, so it's going to take some time. Two weeks of practice is not enough for him to get back up to full speed as far as football speed. So even if he doesn't look, let's say he plays a lot uh, Saturday, like you said, Fred, and he looks choppy and it's, you know, spotty and flashes and then he gets beat bad. That's to be expected. I mean, he's a rookie for all yeah. intents and purposes and he's, he hasn't played a live snap of football in 18 months or 19 months or however long it's been. So don't expect too much from him uh, in the short term. In the long term, I think they really, really like his potential. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you, Fred. I think this game especially is going to be, okay, in-house guys. Um, you know, the fourth and fifth safety, the fourth and fifth edge, all the linebackers, because I don't know if Walker's going to play, even though he's back at practice. You know, all you guys that are at the back end of the roster fighting to make the team, show us what you got, because we got to yeah. cut five guys in, what, four days, six days, something like that. The first cut down to 85 comes. So, you know, it's go time or, or, or stop time for a lot of these guys here. I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday. Yeah, let's look ahead. Go ahead yeah, I Brent. think you're going to see a lot of – Kyle Lalletta mm -hmm. um, to see if he can be a third developable developmental quarterback. I mean, Keenum, I think this is a good opportunity. Makes sense. He didn't really, cause he didn't play last year other than I think he got in twice at the end of Neil. He looked, he's looked really good in practice and in that scrimmage and he has a command of this, uh, this offense. And I think right. this is a good opportunity for him to play with the, the guys that, our regulars, if there are any. Um, so if he is needed, that he can step right in during the season. But then again, he might be starting because most of the second team is going to start. You know, we'll see tomorrow. Stefanski said he'll lay out who's not playing. But I expect most of the major names to not play in this game. Somebody asked about yeah. OBJ. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play in the preseason, maybe a series. I think it might be, look, do you want to go out there and do you feel like you need a series just to get the game speed or whatever? Yeah. Or are you good? Because I mean, the way they've kept it, I mean, we're, we're deep into camp before now you're getting into the games and he's looked great in yeah. all the routes and everything. 
and they will not put him in team, you know, because they know right. they don't want a overzealous rookie to hit him right. wrong or whatever. <laughs> and, and so yeah. that's, I don't think, I don't think we'll see him in the game. That's the dress rehearsal, maybe, maybe a series, but I still, I, I don't, I don't know if they feel like they even need, you know, at this point, sure. what, what is the purpose? Well, he's already coming off the, the, you know, the ACL injury from last year, as we all know. And if we all remember years back against the Browns, ironically, he had a pretty bad ankle injury in a preseason game. And, right. and I, I still remember that image of him in the tunnel. Like it was, he was very demonstrative and he was very upset and I think he even said something at the time that he'll never play in another preseason game again. I don't He's, know. <laughs> yeah. He he still brought that up, you know, yeah. in in talking with us even after he's been here with the Browns. Like, you know, I don't remember who hit him, but he wasn't happy with no. with the Browns player that hit him. I think again it was one of those, you know, overzealous guys trying to make the team and Absolutely. you can't you can't blame them, but as far as yeah, I I think a lot of these guys are glad there's only three games in the preseason now. Yep, and a lot of them would probably be fine with the way it was last year. Let's just play our way into shape and go from there. I mean, frankly, the drop off in play I don't think was much different last year. Sure, because um, of no preseason games and uh, because frankly. The guys playing in those games are the guys that are going to be on the waiver wire, almost right. all of them, but one or two or three guys seems like make the team because of what they did in the preseason games. Yeah, and people should keep that in mind because we all say we all like to say, oh, the preseason is meaningless, and we need to be specific about how we say that. The preseason <laughs> wins and losses as far as translating to the regular season, yes, that's pretty meaningless. Hugh Jackson went undefeated. Exactly. Exactly. But for a lot of these guys, especially, you know, 48 through 53 and the practice squad guys, this is their dream. This is their shot. I mean, these preseason games, we may not laugh. You know, we laugh about the fourth quarter of a preseason game saying, who the hell is that guy? It, even if it's not for the Browns, one 30 yard run for a running back can get a guy on a roster for the rest of this year. And then maybe somebody in front of him gets injured and he takes advantage of his. So these preseason games for these guys are critically important. And oh yeah, Ben Gay made the team back in the day. Yeah, right. Remember Ben Gay had the long run. That's why he made the team. There's always guys like that. Absolutely, they are important for them. Uh, Giuseppe Sheehy had the big punt return, and he still didn't make the team. But as far as you know, that's their their chance. You know, sometimes they get a look from another team, and so it is important. But you know, for the fans and those that are the end of the roster guys that you're trying to see if they can play special teams. That's, that's what those games, you know, make for them. So. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, these guys literally one play in a a big play in a preseason game could get them on an NFL roster for three to four years. And you're talking about an NFL let's say it's a minimum salary for four seasons. I don't think there's anybody in this that's watching or anybody, uh, the three of us, I would take that salary for three seasons if I had the chance, you know, I mean, it's a big deal for these guys. So a a good question here uh, or good point from uh, the dad bot angler, uh, the Daniil Hunter situation in Minnesota. It it is, you're right. It is going to be interesting, especially if the Vikings start slow 
because he's made noise about wanting a new contract and that might not happen there because of the anchor around their uh, neck that is the Kirk Cousins contract. But that is something to keep in mind. On the football field, acquiring Daniil Hunter and putting him in a rotation with Clowney and Miles, spectacular. Absolutely. I would love that. But he wants a Miles-type contract. I just don't know if they were, they're willing to do that, yeah. especially with somebody on the outside at that point. But that's it's absolutely a good name to keep in mind because, sure. yeah, who wouldn't want – if he's healthy and himself the way he was before the next surgery – who wouldn't want Daniel yeah. Hunter opposite from Miles Garrett? Sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Fred. You know, this first year of the three preseason games opposed to the four. Uh, in that format, the third preseason game was usually the dress rehearsal. Is, is there is that no longer going to even be a thing anymore? Is, is that game three? Is that game two? Is there even going to be the quote-unquote dress rehearsal? Yeah, I – Stefanski hasn't addressed it specifically, but I'm getting the vibe around the league that the third game is still going to be the dress rehearsal because of the schedule. If you remember in the past, they'd play that fourth game, which nobody played, but it was, they all played on Thursday night and then they had to have their cuts by like Saturday. And then they played the next Sunday this year. There's more time. I mean, the Browns play the Falcons on a, on the 29th of August. The Chiefs is is September 12th. So most of these teams have almost two weeks before they start the season. And so that in itself is kind of like had, having the fourth game somewhere in there, but not playing a game. So, yeah, I think you're going to – keep it the same i think this first game is going to be like no starters right there's no starting quarterback they're going to play a little bit like like maybe a series or two in the second one and then the third one i think will be like your maybe a half dress rehearsal yeah and like you've said a few times i would be very surprised if we see a lot of the starters something that um I, i was watching um the uh browns coverage uh from nathan zagura of on sunday and they did an interview with with Dee Podesta, and it was fascinating. He said a lot of great things, but one of the things he said was, you know, because uh, Nathan asked him, he said, you know, who's going to play, who's going to not? And he said, well, I'll leave that to the coaches, and he gave the answer. And he said, he did say, I would expect not a lot from the starters. And then he said, do we want to see Nick Chubb run the football? Yeah, that'd be fun, but is it necessary in the preseason? I don't think so. That's what he said. So I, whether he meant to or not, I think Depot kind of let us know we're not going to see 24 toting the rock until we get to Kansas City. Yeah. Well, it's different. Is this team feels they're ready to go? Right. And in the past, they didn't know what they had. Like we've joked about it. They're making cuts and hoping to find two or three starters in the cuts from right. other teams, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. picking them up and saying, okay, we need a DN, you're it, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. they're, I think this roster's well set, you know, and now it's just injury bug. And I think it's even a little different because the NFL came out with a new, the rules for the injury reserve this year right. used to Freelance. be like, why well, this is similar to last year, but if you remember in the past, when you put a guy in injury reserve, 
there was a time he was done for the year. Right. Then right. they went to the you could you could designate for return. It was like two guys. Right. So you had to be very careful with who you put on injured reserve. Now it's unlimited this year, and they only have to miss three games. So say at the end of the, you know, when roster cuts down, and some somebody's got an, a hamstring, they're like, okay, you're on injured reserve. But you know it's only three weeks, so you don't right. have to cut somebody that you didn't really that you otherwise would have cut. And so, I I see that changing, especially with some of the roster decisions, because you used to have to make decisions based on projecting how long is this guy going to be out. Right. Like right. last year, you obviously would have put Greedy Williams on injured reserve from the get go. They kept saying he's day to day. And he was inactive for five straight games to start the season. You know, it's like, well, why didn't you just put him at least for the three-week deal? They do that now. So a lot of different nuances there, and we'll see. But, you know, I I, I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting and as, as we get down there, some of these cuts and roster moves. It is speaking. Of, speaking of the end of the roster, uh, I did. A, if you if you have a few more minutes, uh, I did have a couple of questions. Uh, I wanted to start at the back end of the cornerback room because it looks. And again, it's August 11th. It's three weeks with injuries and stuff. This could change at any moment. Sure. But as it stands right now, it looks like that fifth uh, cornerback spot is starting to come down to AJ Green uh, versus MJ Stewart. Um, I know they invested a lot in AJ Green as the highest paid UDFA last year, which speaks again to how much they like him. Absolutely. But they also they love reclamation projects with former high round athletic young picks, and that's MJ Stewart. And he he was in inconsistent, but he played well in spurts last year, uh, especially in that playoff game. What are you hearing about the that the back end that cornerback five spot? Um, anybody got a clear edge right now? Has any of the coaches let anything slip in their pressers or anything like that as far as A.J. Green and M.J. Stewart? No, I think you hit that right on the head. Those are the two guys for five and six. Um, Stewart was a big special teams guy, and and he made a couple big plays. Um, he also gave up a couple big plays last year, but I think Green's been doing well, and I think they're hoping he could be the fifth corner. Right now, I feel they're going to keep six. I, I think if it was today, they'd keep them both. Um, because last year, they kept six corners on the roster most of the season. And, uh, you know, Robert Jackson was one of them, for the most part, ahead of A.J. Green. And and um, just because of how valuable position it is. And also because... The guys, you got a lot of injury-type prone guys. You know, Denzel right. Ward and and Greedy Williams, you don't know about him. And uh, and so I just think that that they'll definitely keep five, but maybe six, depending on the safety situation, you know, and how that shakes out. It just seems like if you're going to use five defensive backs a lot or hope to, you got to have a few on the depth. And with the expanded practice squad – yeah, I think, you know, they might have a couple down there too. So Brian Allen, I saw him make a play the other day. He's, I think he played with the Bengals, had a little experience. Um, and that Keandre Thomas is kind of intriguing, you know, for a practice squad as well. Right. So um, who knows? Again, 
I think if it was today, I think both of them would make it, but maybe it'll become clear they can't, they don't really want to keep both. Guys, uh, right. opening up to the chat here. Actually, quick couple quick shout-outs. Uh, thank you, L421, for that follow. And uh, Jay McCurry, Jackson McCurry, thank you very much for those 100 biddies. Uh, if you guys have any questions for uh, Fred Greetham, get them out now. He's only going to be here with us for a few more minutes. Um, get them, fire them away by all means. I've, I, I've got a couple more. Sure. Uh, um, the tight end room I uh, wanted to ask you about. Austin Hooper, uh, we all saw, had – Bit of a rough day Sunday at the stadium at the Orange and Brown scrimmage, but it sounds like from all reports he's come back with back-to-back really good days. I heard from several places that he played really well yesterday and had another good practice uh, in the red zone today uh, with Njoku's shoulder, which I don't think any of us think is a big deal, just a you know cautious thing in the beginning of August. With the three of them all pretty much having good camps with the exception of Austin on Sunday, what do you see shaking out as far as one, two, three, uh, or, you know, does it even really matter in this offense? Will he just ride the hot hand week to week? Well, Stefanski said that they haven't broken it down yet, but they know these guys a lot better this year. And they're going to, they're going to scheme to what, what is their um, strengths, which, which, which is kind of a, an obvious thing, but now they know, okay, this situation Hooper would be best or Najoka would be best or Bryant would be best. I think you're still going to see, you know, two of them most of the time, you know, I'm, I'm doing a story on Bryant um, probably run it tomorrow. He's put on 13 pounds and he said that he was getting, he really noticed, you know, Brandon Graham and JJ Watt gave him fits when he was asked to block them and he felt like he needed more, more bulk up top to help him with the pass blocking, but he didn't want to lose any speed or quickness. And he feels like he's accomplished. He's up to 245 now. And um, he really had a good game practice down at the stadium. He was, he really, you know, hadn't done a lot until, so it's good to emerge, see him emerge. Um, Hooper, I think it's mental. I mean, he had a ball right in the numbers in that scrimmage and he dropped it. And it killed their drive. They were moving until that, and they they just were dead in the water after that. So you wouldn't think he would have mental situations at this stage in his career, but it might just be because practice and training camp. But what's interesting, the group, their numbers look good. 89 catches, about 900 yards and nine touchdowns last year. But individually, they all kind of look like subpar years. And I think that's kind of – the way the Browns, their Pro Bowl-ish type players, unfortunately, if you're a fantasy guy, the Browns guys might not be good picks, you know, because, right. I mean, Hooper had 46 catches, Najoku had like 19, and Brian had like 24. Any way you shape it, I, I still can't see in Hooper getting 75, 80 catches like he did right. in Atlanta. They're being asked to block and do other things, and there's just so many other weapons. So with that said, I think they're really in good hands with it. Stefanski said that, yeah, they will game-specific plan for each of these guys. And and so I think as they have more and more confidence in Bryant last year, I think he said he didn't hit a wall, but I think he hit a wall um, the second half of the season. He only had nine catches yeah. in the final eight games. 
And I think the biggest thing was when he fumbled that ball. Yes. I don't remember the team it was, but it, they lost the game. I mean, basically they were driving, he fumbled and it was, it was a turning point. So I think that affected him. And so I look for him to make a nice jump this year. Uh, question about the kickers. They want to know if they kicked indoors, I guess just kind of uh, update us on the kicking competition. Cause while, you know, I, I think Parkey is reliable, uh, but I feel he's only reliable from 45 yards in. I, I don't know if he is that guy that you can trust in November to come out and stick a 53 yarder consistently. That's really his only knock is he doesn't have the strongest leg. So how's that kicking competition uh, shaking? You out? know, it's, it's hard to figure because it's hard to figure between the ears what, what they have mentally. Sure. I go, I date myself. I go back to when I started covering the Browns, I was an intern. They had a guy named Dave Jacobs and Don Cockroft, who's like a hall of famer, yeah. you know, was, was having a little trouble in training camp and they cut him and went with Dave Jacobs, Dave Jacobs, couldn't hit anything once the season started and he couldn't miss anything in training camp. And I saw that I've seen that even saw that a little bit, you know, last year with Austin Seibert. Um, with that said, Chase McLaughlin, almost every time they've had a competition, if Parkey made five McLaughlin made six yesterday, McLaughlin made all four of his Parkey made three at the stadium. Parkey made three McLaughlin made four. He is clearly outperformed him. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know enough about him why he hasn't stuck with any team. Right. He's been on like nine rosters in three years. Right. Um, maybe it's like fantasy football with kickers, you know, how they just you just pick them up at will. <laughs> yeah. But I think he's very accurate. I thought the word that I remember about him is that he's really strong inside the 40 but doesn't really have the longer leg well that's kind of parkey's yeah nemesis is the bigger leg and getting the kicks into the end zone so yes i've been we haven't seen a lot of that yet to see you know if mclaughlin can kick the 50 yarder we're going to see a lot in train in preseason i'm hoping they're hoping that they're going to be in a lot of field goal or kicking situations so they can do that but i would not be surprised if mclaughlin you know, is the, is the kicker cause he's younger. And, uh, right now, you know, he seems to have it going. Yep. Here's a, another one before we get you out of here, Fred, uh, undrafted, an another undrafted free agent. Uh, you were talking about, uh, AJ green. They gave shelled out a lot of money for an uh, UDAF for him. Same thing with this gentleman, uh, Mr. Marvin Wilson. Uh, how's he looking? Looking like a keeper, Fred. He left yesterday, uh, walked off with the trainer's heat related is what they said after he was back today again i think these games are going to tell a lot they don't hit enough to to really get too much of a determination on these linemen but this game i don't i assume he'll be playing this week but next week when the giants come into town i think that'll be a good test he'll be able to go up against you know some some live action against another team and they're all being evaluated one-on-one. -on -one. I think in some of those, you know, one-on-one uh, -on -one pass blocking and, and run blocking drills where sometimes things get a little heated, be able to see what Wilson can do as well as Togi and some of the other guys. But, but I think Wilson right now, I don't think they take a chance on putting him on 
on the practice squad because right. of um, you got to put him on waivers and so forth. And, you know, and you're trying to develop some young guys unless they just say we totally missed on this guy, but I don't think they're going to be, you know, ready to, to do that that quick. So I think that you're going to see in this game, keep an eye on the interior side of the line on both sides of the ball. Cause that's where there's going to be some position battles for jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, we've been saying that the starters are not going to play much. And, and and I think on offense, that's more true than defense because I don't think we're going to see miles very much and probably not much of Clowney, but yeah. they do have, up to nine new starters on that defense and you don't want to play them the whole game every week or anything like that but those guys need time to gel and learn each other and that kind of stuff way more than the offensive starters do so especially for that week one matchup they have exactly (laughs) you you want to get them to get as many game speed reps as they possibly can within reason before they you know line up across from patrick mahomes and company (laughs) so you know, yep. I, I, if there's going to be a lot of guys playing, in, I, I would expect far more on the defensive side as, as far as I go. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, uh, anybody have any other questions for Fred? He's he's stayed much longer than we asked him to. He's just been a, an animal this week. He's been he on is. for an hour, you like four weeks ago. You can't stop him. So you can only hope to contain him. We always tell Fred 15, 20 minutes, and then we keep him forever. I know. And I so, feel terrible. Uh, well, I don't want to be rude and just, like, push a click. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know One how day? to exit this. Yeah, I know. I feel you. <laughs> well, I, I, we'll close it out with that, Fred. Appreciate you, as always, coming on and joining us. And as I've said several times already, looking forward to working with you this season. It's going to be a lot of fun, my friend. Yeah, hopefully. It should be good. Thanks, guys. All right, Fred. Take Thanks, you. Fred. As always, great segment from the legend himself, Fred Greetham. A lot of information there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, makes sense what he said. Uh, as I asked him, you know, because the dress, I'm used to the four preseason games, and, you right. know, the third one was always the dress rehearsals. Makes sense based off the timing and the schedule on the calendar that that third preseason matchup is two weeks before week one against the Chiefs. So it makes sense that that would be, I guess, the quote unquote dress rehearsal. Yeah, that's going to be a long two weeks, man. Uh, oh, are you? We, you ain't lying. We're used to it. We're used to a week or ten days or something like that, and you know our minds get occupied because we we're looking at who's going to get cut, and then we watch the cuts, and then we watch the trades and the waiver wire pickup. Why didn't they waive? You know, put in a claim on this guy, and why did they put in a claim on that guy, and all that? So we had something to distract ourselves long enough for you know a week to ten days, sure. two full weeks. I think we're going to go stir crazy, man. <laughs> I think I think it's going to be ugly on social media. We're, we're definitely going to be tested, and Brown's Twitter is going to be tested. Uh, you know, it, it's – man, you're right. I didn't think of that. Two weeks. Gosh. We'll, We've got uh, uh, Alan Bell in a few minutes. Yes. Uh, you know, the uh, betting expert. Absolutely. Uh, wagering expert, odds maker expert, whatever yes. you want to call him. If, uh, if, whatever the preferred nomenclature is. So if you've got betting questions, uh, go ahead and, and get those lined up. So, yeah, so what we got, pro- what, what we're going to go over with him is obviously, guys, we're going to dive in. We got a, you know, someone who's that deep into uh, odds and odds makers and stuff like that because he works for CBS Sportsline. Uh, we're obviously going to focus on a lot of Brown stuff. Uh, we, we're going to preview the week one matchup versus the Chiefs. Look at the odds and line, all the lines on that. And then some future 
some future bets. Browns over under wins for the season. Odds on them winning the AFC title. Win, Player odds, props. Yeah, all types of stuff. So we're going to go over all, all that good stuff. Um, looking forward to having Alan on. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys, if you have any questions, get them ready. Uh, we'll fire them away. Uh, I think he just popped in. So I'm going to pull him in here in about a, uh, 30 seconds here. Can you post that link again? Uh, oh, Warpath. Warpath's having trouble signing up with the Prime. I think he just wants you to copy and paste that link again for him. There's a direct link to the article. Uh, within that article is how yeah. to step step by step how to go through and get. And thank you for the uh, the gifted his, sub there. Thank you, Desert um, Dog. Thank you, friend. It, it should walk you through that. To, that's a direct link to the article that I just put in there. I hope that that uh, works. Another for gifted you. sub. If, Thank you. If it does not, at the I can't do it during the stream, but when the stream is over, either find me on Twitter or uh, send me a message here on Twitch, and I will uh, I'll see what's not working for you, and I'll, and I'll walk you through that. But our guest is here. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're pull very him in. excited to have him. him so go ahead and pull him in here. Yes. There, there he is, is Mr. Allen Bell from CBS Sportsline. Gentlemen, how we doing? Good. Doing we were, great. We've been, we've been telling everybody, you know, we've got our gambling expert here. I half expected you to come in a bathtub full of money. <laughs> hey well i tell you what uh we're gonna save that for uh week one after the uh browns upset the chiefs so there we go oh uh, I you, you have just made 72 friends in our chat right there <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's what i love to hear yeah we definitely we're, we're excited to have you on I, I actually live in the vegas area so I'm, I'm not i don't bet a lot myself but i i i it's not hard for me to do so when I do, and I, I've I've always kind of followed that area of of sports, and uh, it's it, I always find it quite intriguing. So, which is which is fire you up with this, man? What does Vegas think of the Browns this year going into the season? Yeah, so Vegas is pretty high on them, right? So if you look, and I'll give you some perspective here. All right, so the Vegas has you know a projected win total of ten and a half. Okay. Uh, make the playoffs minus 250, which if you want kind of a, an, an implied probability of that, that's around 70%, which is very, very high. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So then if you kind of break down, like win the Super Bowl uh, plus 1600, which that puts the Browns about eighth total across the NFL. Again, a very high number, right? Like you hear eight and it doesn't seem that high. That's pretty high. If you're in the top 10, th that's pretty us, good. Alan, yeah. trust me. It's really high to us. We're not used <laughs> <is>. to that. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of gives you perspective, right? So, you know, uh, Las Vegas, the bookmakers, you know, uh, across the country really, you know, really do feel good about the Browns. And, you know, the interesting part is that if you look, depending on the book, really not depending the Browns are one of the most popular teams in terms of bets, futures bets, to win the Super Bowl, win the AFC North, uh, win the AFC. Obviously, there are a lot of high expectations on this team, but let me say, rightfully so. Like What we've seen, the roster building of this team for a few years, uh, what we saw last year in terms of the coaching staff uh, and the entire team, you know, just kind of you know, putting it together with what is arguably a, a fairly young team too, right? Yeah, sure. Like I, I put the I put the Browns and the Bills kind of in that area to where there's a lot of growth that's going to happen with these teams and to see success this early, uh, yeah, th th there's a reason for the optimism. I'll say that. Now uh, the odds that uh, uh, Andy just put up on the screen, I'm not sure if you can see. Uh, yeah, he, he won't be able up. to see him because I'm doing it on different software, but uh, and. 
Yeah. We, I've seen this at a couple books too. You said their win total was at 10 and a half. And I have seen that, but I saw as recently as just a couple of days ago, and this is the one that we have up. I still see books out there with their over under at 9.5. Now I always tell people, cause I work, you know, or at least I did before COVID, I worked at comedy clubs in Vegas three, four, five times a year. And I would always say to those of you with a system, they don't keep all these lights on in Vegas because they're just <laughs> randomly throwing stuff out there. They, they kind of know what they're talking about, but to me, nine and a half for this Browns team, assuming health seems absurdly low, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does, right? And, you know, let's just put that that part out there. I thought you brought up a great point of, you know, assuming everyone stays healthy because you can't ever project anything like that, right? But just right. assuming that this Browns team is the same in week 18 that they, it's going to be in week one. Uh, yeah, nine and a half is absurdly low. I, I would even uh, take, uh, you know, a little decrease in the odds and move that to 10, and here's why. So I, with the new schedule in terms of adding a 17th game, uh, you know, these futures bets are a little bit different than the 16 game schedule, what we're used to. Okay. So how I look at it and I have kind of an applesauce brain anyway, so I kind of have to work things my own way. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I look at it in terms of losses. Okay. So if we're getting the Browns and just say 10 wins, even, okay, that means that the Browns can lose seven games and we still push. Okay. Right. So, you know, I looked at it the same way with the Kansas City Chiefs, all right? 12 wins, depending on your book. Books are going to be different. And anybody out there, shop around for sure. Find yourself the best prices, the best numbers, whatever. But so the same thing with the Chiefs at 12. Like, they could lose five games and we still push. I don't think the Chiefs lose five games. I definitely don't think that the Browns lose seven games, right? So. Right. And I'll say this, you know, I've gone through uh, and, and pulled some data here on all 17 games uh, this season for the Cleveland Browns and where the odds are. The Browns are favorites in 13 of 17 games. <laughs> That's yeah. still weird. That's it's still so, so weird, weird to hear. Can you say <laughs> that one more time, please? Yeah, the, the Browns are favorites in 13 of 17 games. And I'll give you the games that they're underdogs in, the four, okay? okay. So week okay. one at Kansas City, six-point underdog. Uh, week 12 at Baltimore, three-and-a-half-point underdog. You've got the bye after that. Then you play Baltimore again at home. You're a two-and-a-half-point favorite there. So it kind of goes to show they see these teams pretty even. All right. Um, so the third one is week 16 at Green Bay, four point underdogs. And then week 17 against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, one and a half point underdogs. Although I don't believe much in Pittsburgh this season, that number right. is going to change. But again, just using that, the fact that your win total is anywhere from nine and a half to ten and a half and already you're looking at being a favorite in 13 games, right? That gives you some insurance here on some swing games. So, yeah, and I know it's got to be crazy because, trust me, I understand the pain that Cleveland fans have gone through. I respect it, understand it. So seeing these numbers, I, I, I get it. Like, it, it's got to feel wild, but rightfully so, man. Th this is one hell of a ball club. You brought up um, – and this is kind of a tangent, but you brought, some, you brought up the back-to-back -back games – uh, at least for the Browns against the Ravens. The Ravens have another game in between. The Browns have a bye week for that. And our colleague and uh, film breakdown guy, Jake Burns, made a very interesting point from a football perspective that uh, preparing for the Ravens offense because of Lamar Jackson, because it's so unique and so different from the rest of the league, it's kind of like preparing for Navy in college football. It's just freaking. <laughs> 
And the fact that they get to do it in back-to-back games, and in reality, for three consecutive weeks, if you throw uh, the bye week in there, for that second game, which is at home, that's probably a huge advantage from a football on the field standpoint. When Vegas is setting lines and when you are looking at lines and thinking about putting your own money on the line, is that the kind of thing that you would take into account, the fact that they get that extra week to prepare for that weird defense, or does that you know, really not affect you much? Oh, no, no, that, that absolutely has an effect. I mean, you're exactly right. Like having essentially three weeks to prepare for this team. And let's be completely honest. Like, you know, we just talked about uh, Vegas seeing Cleveland and Baltimore pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do too. And here's the thing. If Cleveland goes in week 12, that first one in Baltimore and wins, buddy, mm-hmm. look out, right? So, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. So, yeah, I, I, that definitely has um, an effect on it. Plus, we see how, you know, Baltimore's offense is. Don't be wrong. I'm not saying anything negative about Baltimore. They've arguably arguably been the best regular season team in the NFL the last two years or so, right? Roughly, Mm -hmm. right? But that offense, when you kind of figure it out, you figure it out. Okay, and I'll give you a perfect example. Two years ago, I'm here in Nashville. Okay, two years ago, I watched when the Titans go uh, into the playoffs, uh, beat the Ravens, beat Lamar Jackson. Mike Vrabel kind of had some things figured out. Okay, Mm -hmm. now fast forward to last year when Cleveland, I believe when you came into Nashville and just beat the Titans like a drum, like you had Mm -hmm. just figured this thing out. Like Derrick Henry is going for 130 yards against everybody at minimum. You know, and he's got eight yards in like the third quarter, right? right? So <laughs> when you figure that thing out, which I think that, you know, Cleveland's, you know, uh, entire coaching staff is fantastic. Yeah, like it, it certainly has an effect on it. And the fact that you have a buy in between, yeah, that's really nice. If you've got uh, uh, questions for Alan as far as the Browns, uh, bets to make, bets to avoid, uh, or the rest of the league in general, we'll get to that with him here shortly. Pop those in the chat. We're uh, grateful that Alan took time. He's uh, one of the one of the odds-making experts over at CBS Sportsline. A, a, a great follow. If, if you like to bet on NFL football, trust me, I've been following Alan for a long time. I, he, he doesn't miss much. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a gambler myself, but if I was, you'd be the guy – telling me where to put my money because well let me put it this way guys alan is the guy that makes so much money when he's betting on sports it makes the rest of us think we can do it too and then you know eight hundred dollars later you're like what the hell happened because we're not as smart as he is about that no stuff. well so. i'll tell you this not to interrupt you uh the check is in the mail i certainly appreciate you saying that that was kind of <laughs> so okay we talked about the browns win total the over under you're you're with the rest of us that we 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 think they're set up for a really good year as freaky as that sounds to all of us um let's go to some of the player props because that's become a much bigger thing in the last few years people betting over unders on passing yards and rushing yards and and all that kind of stuff obviously the biggest name for the browns baker mayfield uh, i don't know where his passing yard over under uh, is set or his touchdown passes and all that kind of stuff uh, what are your thoughts early on him? Uh, we all expect him to take even another step forward from his great year last year, but where do you see him from a wagering perspective this year? Yeah, so uh, first, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm all in on Baker Mayfield. I love this kid. I love his attitude. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I was at Neyland Stadium when he was in Oklahoma, and Tennessee was up 17 nothing on him, and I watched this kid live literally take this team back and just beat the Vols like a drum. Like I, I've loved that kid ever since, so I buy into – 
just pretty much everything that he's doing. I think he's going to take a big step forward again uh, with this team because the team is so talented around him, not only offensively, but certainly defensively uh, as well. So if you look at his numbers, okay, so uh, to win the MVP this year, all right, uh, it's plus 2,500. Now, that sounds like a large number. You're going to have guys like Tom Brady at plus 500. So just take that into perspective. Sure. Where where t- plus 2,500 puts Baker is about 11th. Okay, so that's kind of where they have him right there. In terms of passing yards, uh, he's going to be up there high uh, around 4,500, somewhere around that number, depending at your book, which is going to have him top seven somewhere roughly, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, what we talked about, like Vegas seeing a lot out of the Browns as a team, they see a lot out of Baker. And the fascinating part and we'll get to Nick Chubb, you know, with that here in just a second. But the fascinating part is that, you know, it, it, it's not all Baker doing this, right? Like, not right. only do you have arguably the best running back in the NFL, you've got another running back right behind him where, you know, you're offensively, you're splitting carries here, right? And you've got, you know, wide receivers all over the place. And that offense can, can get exotic, you know, with guys like Jarvis being able to throw, uh, to, so, I mean, it, the fact that he's up there that high and there's that many weapons that are going to take stats, quote unquote, away from Baker, it, it goes to show like how high, you know, how highly regarded uh, that he is. So you're with me. We had a, uh, I did a show with, uh, I mentioned him before, Jake Burns uh, a couple of yeah. weeks ago. And we, we were talking about projections for stats and everything. And it's hard to do because, like you said, this offense especially if they're protecting leads in the fourth quarter this year, like we assume they're going to be doing. Nick and Kareem are going to be piling up the stats, and Baker's not going to throw the ball a whole lot. He's really going to play three quarters in a lot of games, knock on wood, hopefully. Um, so, But I still thought, and I said this at the time, I took a little heat for it, I still think he can get over 4,000, 4,500-ish, uh, just because, like you said, there are so many weapons, and the way that Kevin – uh, calls plays to everybody's strengths is going to get some guys running wide open uh, just because of matchup problems, uh, much like DPJ did against the Titans last year. I'm sorry to bring that up. I'm sure you don't want to remember that, but uh, <laughs> he was open by like six yards. So are you with me that you think he's, I, I think 5,000 is out of, I don't think with this kind of a running game, that would, it would be weird if he got to that number, but I think 4,500 is reasonable. Are you with me on that? Oh, absolutely. And, and let me say, you know, again, just to give a Nashville perspective, uh, if Ryan Tannehill were throwing for 5,500 yards, that means that the team's probably not doing well because Derrick right. Henry's out of the game, right? So, yeah, totally with you on that on that perspective. I think it's 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 great. Yeah, uh, you know, Stefanski, obviously, the way, you know, that, that he calls plays, he is aggressive, smart, but aggressive. Yeah, I, I absolutely think, you know, that, that Baker can get there. And it, it's... It, I look at the Browns now to where kind of similar to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, that year that they won the Super Bowl. And, and hear me out. What I mean by it is this, is that nobody, not no one, but your offense gets the attention. Your defense is incredible. And if it is as good as we all think that it's going to be, it is going to create so many more opportunities for this offense. So you might look at, you know, in terms of total, 
you know, plays ran in a game, uh, compared 2021 to 2019, et cetera, series, all those kind of things. And you might see a large jump this year because the defense is creating turnovers, the defense is creating stops, and you're just going to have more time of possession, right? So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, there, there's no, the only thing that would, that would, you know, temper me from betting pretty much the over on anything Baker, honestly, is what you said, is if, you know, we see the Browns coming out and essentially they're putting up such large numbers first, second, third quarter that you're not even really even seeing Baker in the fourth. I mean, it's literally just handoff, handoff, you know, to whoever. Like, that would be the only way. Other than that, I mean, this offense, this offense is going to put up a ton of points and it's incredibly efficient, too. You know, even when if it's not a touchdown drive, field goals are fine too. Those things add up. It, it's just all gonna add uh, towards success for Baker. I, I'm looking. Yeah, and just something. Ahead, to, I just want to throw one yeah. more thing at you. You were talking about since we're talking about the fourth quarter, and then uh, uh, I'll throw it to mm-hmm. you, Andy. But see, you may not know this, uh, but this is something you know. Browns fans are just in love with Nick Chubb, and rightfully so. But he averaged last year 10 and a half yards a carry in the fourth quarter. He's one of those guys that gets stronger when the defense gets tired. And I saw something just the other day, too. Since he came into the league in 2018, he has 54 broken tackles just in the fourth quarter in those three years. So, yeah, if they're ahead by – especially if they're ahead by more than one score in the fourth quarter, you're right. I would expect to see a heavy dose of 24 uh, until things, unless, until and unless things tighten up. So I just want to throw that to you. Yeah, um, no, no, no. I agree. And let me yeah. say, I mean, having the opportunity to watch Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, they're so similar in the ways that they play. Like you know, Henry's kind of the same way. He he gets stronger as the game goes. Nick Chubb. The hard part is that comparing the two. Chubb just doesn't get the carries because you right. have such a talented backfield. If Nick Chubb were getting 120 extra carries like Derrick Henry has, honestly, Nick Chubb would be breaking all kinds of records. I mean, the guy really is that phenomenal. And, you know, the one thing that I think puts him over the top is he could catch passes too. Right. Right. I mean, it's incredible how large of a human being he is coupled with how fast it is and how athletic he is. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, th- this kid's a stud for sure. This is – I've got a graphic in front of me, and I, I just can't believe this is what I'm looking at because as a, as, as a lot, lifetime Browns fan, especially over the last 20 years, you know, just not used to seeing this kind of stuff. If we've got <laughs> we've got the – for the AFC Championship winner, we got the Chiefs leading the pack, obviously, at plus 250. Buffalo Bills coming in, in right behind them at plus 600. The Ravens coming in behind them at 650. And then the Browns coming in at plus 800. And the Tennessee Titans right behind them at plus 1300. That's according to what I just pulled from CBS Sports Line today. Yeah, I realistically, is that, do you agree with what I just said there? The Browns plus 800? Is that realistic? For them to win the oh. AFC title, I mean, is, the, is, I, I, is it that real, man? Is it that real, Alan? <laughs> well, it is that real. It is that real. And let me give you—I'll give you the the, the 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 perfect example of it. So let's just look at the teams that uh, are were around them, right? So you said Chiefs first, uh, Bills second, yes, Ravens third, Browns fourth, Tennis. Titans fifth, yes, right? Okay. So first off, get to the AFC Championship game. Okay, so you look at the last two years. Two years ago, the Titans get there. They fall off a little bit. Last year, the Bills get there. You know, 
I think they're going to be a fantastic team, but it's proven that it's very, very difficult to repeat and get yourself back there. Really, Kansas City is the only team that's kind of done it. Sure. Right. So if kind of history repeats itself, like this is the arena for the Browns to take that step. Okay. Ooh. And then, you know, look at it again. Let's say, okay, let, let's just take Kansas City out of this part. Let, let's say that let's just pencil them in just for the example. Okay. I, I don't think that the Ravens got terribly better this offseason, and I definitely don't buy into them in the postseason. Absolutely not. Uh, the Bills, kind of the same team. Um, they're going to be tough for sure, but sure. they don't have a run game. And while, you know, I certainly love watching Brian Dable call an offense in, in, you know, in Buffalo, you got to have a run game at some point. Like, it's not going to work throwing all the time. Okay? So – Cleveland kind of does everything. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like you kind of do everything and you have a defense too. Like this defense is incredible. And, and, and side question, how's my man Clowney doing up there? He, how, has he looked in, uh, in camp so far? Terrifying. Re Absolutely terrifying. On just about every snap. Yes. Dude, I, I'm telling you, like, as soon as he signed there, like, uh, you know, just some me and my friends here, you know, in Nashville, we talked about it that, He's one of those guys that, like, without him, your defense was already straight. But if you add him in and you just get what you expect out of Clowney, it doesn't have to be, you know, some massive, you know, best season he's ever had. Dude, that dude is a terror because not only do you think about the sacks, but that dude can eat up offensive linemen, too. And it sets up for your, you know, your backers to get in there. It sets up, obviously, you know, you, you have arguably, you know, the best defensive player in the NFL, you know, alongside Aaron Donald. Like, if, if he's healthy this year, dude, that front seven is going to be a problem for everybody. We're, yeah, and we're I pretty think excited. When, what, when yeah. we signed him, I said it's, you know, kind of taking him back to the, his days in Houston with J.J. Watt, which I think – as much as he wants to be edge one on a team, and you know, I don't blame him. That's what everybody should want. He's far better in an edge two role. Him not having to be Batman because we already have Batman. You know, like you said, we have arguably the Batmanest Batman of all Batmen in the NFL yeah. and Miles Garrett. So Clowney getting the second best tackle. Uh, Clowney not getting double teamed because Miles is going to get the Clowney not getting the tight end chip or the running back chip. And the fact that they both too can Miles and Clowney both can slide inside in sub packages are Clowney's arguably better rushing the passer from the inside over the guard. It, it, it's a terrifying yep. prospect, especially for poor Joe Burrow behind that offensive oh. line in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh. Dude, no, you're exactly right. And I'll say this the problem last year in Tennessee for Clowney was. He, they needed him to be that guy. Now, I think Jeffrey right. Simmons on the defensive line is going to be pretty good, but yeah. they needed too much out of Clowney. But I, I, you are 100% correct that Clowney was much better uh, on the inside than he was on the outside. I mean, that was where, you know, he was only in for a couple games in Tennessee, but that was where he made his mark for sure because it opened up, you know, for other guys there. So, yeah, I, I could not agree more uh, with them. Couple good questions in the chat. Uh, one from Firewood Empire uh, yeah. asks: uh, Any interesting prop bets for the Browns? You know, a uh, number of touchdowns, points uh, scored, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. So you know, we, we don't have a full list yet. We, we'll, you know, Vegas will put those out as we get closer to Week One. But we've got a couple kind of you know on your marquee guys, right? So if you look at a guy like Nick Chubb, I think his touchdown number, depending on the book, is 
anywhere from 12 and a half to 14 and a half, 15, somewhere around there. And to give you a perspective, Derrick Henry, I think is 15. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm saying. And like, yeah. you know, and, and Chubb's going to have to deal. Obviously you have Kareem and, and you know, you, you've got a much deeper, you know, backfield out there. So, you look at that one for sure. You look at Baker, like we talked about, around 4,500 yards. The way to play them, season-long props are going to be tough for this team. It's the same way that I look at the Kansas City Chiefs offense. You know, because if you, you know, you break them down, Travis Kelsey's generally hitting unders, right? Tyreek Hill's hitting up because there's so many players that they can get right. the ball to, right? But you look at, you know, say game to game, and you just kind of break down where, um, you know, those def those defensive inefficiencies are going to be. Uh, perfect example, you look at uh, the Browns and Titans game last year. The Titans arguably had one of the most horrific secondary defenses that we've ever seen. And going into it, literally anybody who had a clue all week on like sports radio here in Nashville Nobody was fired up about seeing Baker Mayfield. And, I mean, my man came out there and just just lit that secondary up, right? So, to answer your question, long story short, there's nothing great right now. But give it two weeks once we kind of get two preseason games in, and you're going to see a whole lot more uh, pop up in that factor. Now, talk about um, value because some people only look at the – the specific odds for each bet. So if you have a limited, which most of us do, you have a limited amount of cash that you can put out there. You can't just bet everything. So you have to talk about your value. So while one might be, you know, eight to one and you think that's great, but there's a better value bet that's, you know, 12 to one or four to one, something. How do you differentiate as a better, uh, you know, how much to allocate? Do you do it by percentage? Do you just uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a great question. Um, you know, uh, money management, in this is always the most important thing. And and first for anybody who is either a brand new better or a sharp that's been doing it for 20 years, right? The first thing to understand is find your unit value. Okay. And what I mean by that is this, what do you play each game, each bet? Okay. So, and, and it's different for everybody and that's fine. You know, one person's unit could be, I bet $10, you know, a game. Another person's could be $100. Like, you know, everybody's different in that regard, but it's all a percentage of, you know, kind of your bankroll, so to say, of what you have to play around with. So I'll give you, let me give you a number example. Say you have, you set aside uh, $100, okay, to bet on the NFL for this season, okay? So what you want to do is get yourself your unit percentage of that for each bet to where you're not betting the entire $100, sure. you know, coming out in week one. So you're saying, okay, I have $100 total right now. Um, we're going to play $5 a game. All right, that's what, you know, and, and I'll bet, let me find my, you know, how many games, whatever bets that I want to place this week. You know, say it's five of them. Okay, well, understand, if you're betting five, you know, each one, and you've got five bets, it's $25, okay? That's 25% of your bankroll. So make sure to keep those percentages, you know, to to – to a, a, a responsible number so that you're not wiping yourself out. So th I think that's the biggest thing. And it's going to be different for everyone. There's no, you know, e easy way for everybody to go about it. You just kind of have to look and, you know, look at your percentages. Number two. So let's go back to the win total here, okay, for the Browns. So if I'm looking and saying, all right, I want to place one bet on the Browns 
this year, a futures bet. Forget the games, just a futures bet. So the the most important thing is finding a bet that is going to hit, that you have the highest percentage to do that. Okay, so let's go to the win total. Me personally, I think that is the best play, especially if you're talking about, say, your book has it at nine and a half wins. All right. Your juice is probably going to be minus 150 on that, meaning to win $100, you have to put down $150. Yes, sir. So I don't want to do that, so to say. <laughs> yeah, but so, and here's the thing. So when I talked about earlier, I would move that number to 10. All right. To hit the over of nine and a half, I have to get to 10 anyway. Right. So I'm going to cut my juice down. And if, you know, if we land right at 10 and we push, no big deal. I get my money back that I put in. It's like the bet never happened. So just kind of looking at your juice prices there and understanding the bet of saying, yeah, nine and a half certainly looks good. And yeah, if it comes down to nine or 10 wins, yeah, you, you one's going to win and one's going to push. But I can deal with the push. And if I could get myself a better juice price and I don't have to lay as much into it, because yep. it's going to sit all season long. You're not going to get paid out until January sometime, right, when the season ends. Right. So looking at it that way, I, I think that that's kind of my philosophy with it. And people will have other ways to look at it, rightfully so, because it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a destination that has a lot of roads coming in, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And speaking of juice, seg- segues into this I was going to bring up, too. I think, I think you've been on here. I think you, I know you recognize the talent the Browns have. Uh, up and down the roster. Yep. Baker Mayfield, <clears throat> whether what your opinion is of him, I, I know Browns fans love him. I, I think I think we, we believe in him more than the national pundits for sure. Um, with that being said, with all the talent around him, he should thrive. I'm just going to throw it out there. If the Browns are really good like we all think they're going to be, and they're going to win a lot of games like we think they are, and they're going to have the talented offense and surrounding Baker that we think they're, they're going to have. Baker, that should translate. Not to mention, this is the first time in Baker Mayfield's career he's been in the same system two years in a row. It's the first time this has ever happened in his career. With that being said, speaking of juice, he's plus 2,500 to win the NFL MVP. What do you think about that for like a little $50 fun bet for a Browns fan? Oh, I, I love the opportunity. I, I think that it has a, a, a very similar look to – uh, what was it? Two years ago when Lamar won it, right? Like, sure. I, I, I think, yeah. And, and here's why. <clears throat> and, you know, anybody will tell you, and you guys know that putting up numbers. I mean, football is the ultimate team sport. <clears throat> and you know, don't get me wrong, Lamar was fantastic that year, but he also had an incredible defense yeah. that was not only one winning games, all right, and two, two not not only giving him more opportunities, but in better situations. Right. So, you know, if you look at, say, you know, the Bengals where Joe Burrow's average start position on the field is his own 10 and Lamar Jackson is starting at your 40. Like, of course, like you're going to get you're going to maximize on those. So, yeah, I I definitely like that um, for sure. And here's another way to look at the MVP betting. Okay, Mm -hmm. And again, I'm going to use a Nashville reference. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just using it for the reference. Derrick Henry goes for 2,000 yards last year, wasn't even in the top three. Now, again, I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is you could go through that list and scratch off everybody who's not a quarterback. You don't even look at them. If Derrick Henry wasn't even talked about, nine people in history have done that, and he wasn't even talked about. Again, not saying it was wrong, just saying 
it, buddy, a quarterback's going to win this award. So get rid of everyone else that's on there. Look at your competition, okay? And then you could just start going down the list. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have the year that he had last year because it was unbelievable. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to do that. So, and again, I'm not saying that he can't, but, you know, just take a look at that, mark out anyone who's not a quarterback, and you're going to have some pretty good chances of doing it. So, yeah, long story short, man, plus 2,500, that's certainly worth it. And, you know, it, it's worth it at $5, $10. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be a massive number. That's no. the beauty of futures that you could yep. just throw a little bit on there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I love the juice well, in that. I think it's a perfect $20 bet. Uh, yeah, for the, the juice is definitely worth the squeeze with that because a lot of things could happen where that could, we've seen it before. And you brought up Lamar Jackson; no one saw that coming. No one yep. saw that MVP season coming. Stephen, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you, but no, I was just going to say uh, we appreciate you coming on. We're going to get you out of here in just a few minutes. Uh, we've been talking about Browns bets the whole time. I just wanted to throw it out here uh, uh, real quick for the last segment. Look around the whole league. Is there any? And I know you don't. You said you don't have everything yet. They haven't put out everything. But is there anything out there? with the caveat that we, none of us are smarter than Vegas, that you look at it and go, okay, that seems out of whack. That seems like easy money. Throw throw us some easy money stuff from all across the NFL here in this last segment. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I would say this. When you look at – let's just keep it at win totals uh, right now, right? So I think that if you look at a team like the Bills, who, again, are going to be around 10 – 10 and a half wins. I think that that is a pretty good bet on the over because I think their largest competition of the division is going to be Miami, not New England. They're going to mm -hmm. feast up on the Jets, right? Uh, another one, uh, and again, I'm, I'm here in Nashville, but take a look in the AFC South because, again, <clears throat> the Titans had one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. They didn't even have a defensive coordinator. It was just Mike Vrabel out there right. just doing <laughs> They won 11 games, win the division, and think about this. Their division this year, their win totals at nine – Nine and a half, somewhere around there. Uh, to win the AFC, I think it's like minus 120. Okay? Look at the division. Oh, Houston, a disaster. You've got a brand-new head coach, brand-new quarterback. Uh, Jacksonville, brand-new head coach, brand-new quarterback. Now, I love Urban Meyer to death. The dude has won everywhere. But the Jacksonville, you know, as a whole, not very good. And then you look at Indy. Like, I, I don't know what that disaster could look like either. So, a team like Tennessee, who's bringing back their entire offense, it's pretty good out there as well. I would also look at rookie quarterbacks, uh, like say Jacksonville. You say uh, the Jets; they've got six and a half, seven wins. Uh, you know, kind of under there. Only three quarterbacks, I think, since 1959, right, have started. You know, in week one and won seven games or more. Right, like yeah. it, it's literally like I think uh, RG three was one of them. Andrew Luck. It's in somebody, it's Sam Bradford. Like, it's literally not many do it. So, if you find the Jets or the Jaguars kind of under uh, seven wins, I think that that's a solid bet. And then you look at week one. Yeah, uh, I think that the last thing I'll say is this. <laughs> yeah. Week one last year, we had no preseason, didn't know what it was going to look like. Right. right. Everybody's saying defense is ahead of offense. And that's kind of true. But, Offense doesn't need anyone to practice against all offseason. Defense does. And right. we saw week one, 87 offensive touchdowns were scored, the most in NFL history in week one. I'm not saying that that's going to absolutely replicate, but there's going to be more points than people think. So don't shy away uh, from some overs if you see low numbers. So, yeah, I I'll leave it at that. 
All right. Well, we're going to uh, get you out of here. We're, we're tremendously appreciative of your time. But before you go, uh, go ahead. Plug uh, where people can find you. If you've Absolutely. got something coming up, go ahead. Do Alan your plug. great, here guys. You go. Plug away. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me say this. I, I, I absolutely appreciate you guys. Thank you much, uh, so much for having me on. The entire Anytime. OBR team is fantastic, man. You guys have an awesome just operation of everybody there. Uh, yeah, sportsline.com for sure. Check that out. And then check out the Early Edge, our daily podcast, 10 minutes or less. Uh, if you remember from the WWE, Jonathan Coachman, he's our yeah. host on that show. Yeah, the coach. Yeah. He's fantastic, man. So, yeah, we run a daily show there. 10 minutes or less, get you every day the bets that you need and get you out. Move on with your day. So, yep, the early edge. Check it out. Awesome. And also, you can see right there on your screen, you can follow Alan uh, at his Twitter handle right there. I do. Uh, and obviously, a lot of great betting info. But he's kind of like me. If he sees something that's just funny and just has nothing to do with anything, he'll tweet about it. And I love that because I'm a very nonlinear thinker as well. So I, I, that's another thing that I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I think you made a bunch of us, uh, not me, but because I don't bet, but uh, a lot of other people, a whole bunch of money. <laughs> and we would uh, we would definitely love to have you back on at some point during the future if you'd like to do that. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, I'd love to. Yeah, you guys let me know, man. I'm in. Yeah, I like this dude. It was nice meeting you, man. I like you. <laughs> hey, good to, yeah, good to meet you, man. <laughs> All right. All right. All right Alan Bell, everybody, CBS Sportsline. Wow, that well, was I think, great. Uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a fun show. That yeah. was fun, man. That was something different, a little different that yeah. we're not used to. I, I, you know, living in Vegas, I mean, I've, I've, I don't want to say I've never gambled. I, I'd be lying if I said, but I definitely over the years have, you know, kind of not been as much, but Hey, I, I did I, for the Browns wild card game against the Steelers. I did lay a nice little bet on the Browns money line to win that football game. And, uh, I was right. I get, you get, you get, you get paid every now and then, you know? And you know what? That went towards this PC that I this awesome PC rig I have. That's where that money went. That, so you owe this. Uh, you owe your uh, current rig to Baker Mayfield, is what you're saying. Uh, pretty much, yes, yeah. I, I do. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing right now. That's for damn sure. Um, but yeah, Alan Bell was uh, wow. He he's got a lot of energy. I like that dude. Yeah, I, I like that he's dude a lot. Follow. He's good. He's a fun follow on Twitter, man. Yeah, he's and, uh, he's solid. For sure. Yeah, like I said, I'm not a gambler, but uh, everybody that follows him seems to love all of his tips, and he makes them a lot of money. So, yeah, uh, yeah fun show tonight. Yeah, for sure. And, guys, let us know in the Discord. Uh, if you're not in the Discord yet, maybe hop in there, man. Um, if you're not familiar with Discord, it's pretty much just a place for us to hang out while we're off stream. And, you know, we can talk Browns and all types of stuff. Um, let us know in the Discord for future guests like that for the show. Um, I, I honestly, that makes me want to get a fantasy football expert on before the season starts, to be honest. Yeah, um, that might be a good thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be a good idea too, but let us know guys. Uh, let us know in the chat, shout out to D Whalen for that gifted sub to Paul Spencer. We love Paul and we love you D Whalen shout out to desert dog for the thousand bit donation. Thank you so much for that guys. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap it up, uh, with that, uh, Steven, you got anything else to leave these fine folks with? No, thanks again to Fred Greetham for Absolutely. staying way Thank longer you. than we told him. Uh, we always tell him fifteen to twenty minutes, and then we just we just keep him forever. I feel so bad, but he, you know, he's a warrior. He does it he, uh, every night. Uh, Brad apparently uh, still recovering. He's feeling a little yeah. under the weather, so uh, we we hope you get better and you'll be back very soon. Um, and obviously, huge thanks to Alan Bell and thanks to every single person still watching and, and who watched us earlier. Yes. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We wouldn't be here without you. Well, we would, but it wouldn't be nearly as much fun uh, without you guys. So we appreciate you uh, 
stopping with us here on Not the Same Old Brown. So go ahead, take us out, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tune in tomorrow with uh, Jake Burns. Well, he's having another episode of his Chalk Talk, OBR Film Breakdown. He's going to be uh, – I'm not sure what he's diving into, but he will be here, I believe, at 8 Eastern. I think it's yeah, 8 tomorrow. Yeah, he yeah. starts at 8 Eastern tomorrow. And then, actually, we should let him know about Saturday. Saturday is a big day, y'all. All right. Saturday. Yeah, we are going to be doing uh, for the Jacksonville game yes. uh, the first – and we're going to do it for all the games. Uh, but we're going to be doing our first pregame show uh, probably at least an hour, maybe an hour and yeah. a half or longer uh, before kickoff. I'm On the sure schedule, yet. we went over it a little bit, uh, Jake and I. As of right now, we're going live at 6 p.m. on Saturday, and we will go until roughly 11 p.m. on Saturday. It's going to be a 6 to 11 is what, it, what, what it's got right now. But essentially, we're going to – yeah, like you said, we're going to do a watch-along party. Uh, all of us are going to watch the uh, Browns' first preseason game at Jacksonville. And while you guys got it on your television, pull us up on your computer, pull us up on your phone, pull us up on your iPad, pull us up on your tablet – and you can watch, you can interact with us while we all watch the game together. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do a lot of those for Monday night football, Thursday yeah. night football. And then obviously, like you said, we're going to be kicking off the pregame show. We're going to do an hour pregame show, I think is what uh, Jake mentioned. You know, we, we want to make it clear we are not going to be showing the game here. We can't yes. do that. No, we we're can't. I wish. Hanging out, doing Q&A, watching it. And so it'll be like we're watching the game together. Uh, and as far as the pregame goes, uh, there's I know there's a lot of people out there like me. I just I can't abide by the NFL pregame shows anymore on television or anything because, first of all, 97% of it is about games that I don't care about. Uh, and second, there's so much staged, you know. So if yeah. you want a, a pregame show that's focused solely on talking about the Browns, much like our draft coverage, yeah, we covered all the picks, but we covered them in a, how does that affect the Browns. Absolutely. Come and hang out with us. We're going to be doing a pregame show and a postgame show uh, for yeah. every game uh, that's 100% focused on our favorite team. So but I just wanted to make that clear. It's a watch-along party, yes. not a watch party. Yes. We, we cannot show the game. The NFL would probably come but, to our house, and you would never hear from us yeah. or our families again. It, it's it's a pretty popular thing on Twitch, uh, watch-alongs. You know, they had them for the NBA Finals and every, just about every sport event you can think of. So essentially, right. we'll all just be watching it together, have some Browns Q&A, and we'll have a full OBR staff here for that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think I'm – let's take us out of here, Steve. I think, I'm, yep. I think we got it all out. Thank you guys as always for watching. Thanks to all the new followers. We appreciate you. Thank you for hanging out in the chat and asking questions all stream long. Thank you for the gifted subs, the new subs, and the bit donations. Appreciate that as well. And we will be back tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern with Jake Burns' Chalk Talk. We will see you all then. I'll be moderating the stream tomorrow, so I'll see you guys in the chat tomorrow. Have a good one, guys. Go Browns.